Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of this podcast. And I want to thank my listeners, as I do every time I do one of these podcasts, because without you, um, there would be no Inside Personal Growth. And I'm joined today by Alka Dalton. And Alka has written a new book called The Ohm Factor, A Women's Spiritual Guide to Leadership, Seven Essential Tools and Seven Key Traits to Cultivate for Your Success and Well-Being. Um, good day to you, Alta. How are you? I am well, thank you. It's so great to be here. Well, it's great to have you on Inside Personal Growth. It's great to actually share some of these tools and traits um, that you discuss in the book. Um, it's really a great book. It's a good. It's a good book for my listeners. Um, it not only to just learn more about meditation, but really about how to ingrain the practice in your daily life uh, for success as a leader. And I'd say, Alka, this applies to both men and women, even though you wrote it with a kind of twist on women. I'm going to let my listeners know just a tad bit about you. Alka Dalton is the founder and chief executive officer of Technolink, one of the leading technology companies in the Washington metropolitan area. Uh, They've provided information technology services, consulting services to both government and uh, commercial clients for 15 years. In addition to responsibilities as CEO of Technolake, um, Alta uses her passion for technology as a platform to give back. She's committed to empowering youth to explore entrepreneurship uh, and careers in science and technology. Um, For more information, on the Ohm Factor, you can visit www.alkadhillon.com. She also contributes to the Huffington Post and blogs on her website, The Spiritual CEO, at www.thespiritualceo.com. Well, Alka, as I was reading this book, your story. Um, really ran deep with me because it's so similar. Um, it's it's so interesting and so similar how <laughs> similar it was. Um, and I want you to tell the story. Um, some of my listeners already know my story, but it's this story that woke you up from a call from God. And it was the same story that woke me up, which is why I do what I do. Wow, I didn't know that about you. That's, yep. uh So, yes. Um, uh, so, my story, I, um, let's see, 19 years ago, this is a, quite a while ago, but 19 years ago when I was about 23 years old, my father um, passed away very tragically and very suddenly from a heart attack. He was not sick. Nothing was wrong with him. We uh, had... A beautiful family. My mother, my father. We um, had three daughters. Uh, I was the eldest. I am the eldest, and I have two younger sisters. The youngest at that time was only 16 years old. And um, my father was uh, not only my father biologically, but he was truly my best friend, and um, and also the breadwinner in the family. And at that time, it just rocked everyone because my mother was a stay-at-home mom at the time and all the financial responsibility came upon me as the eldest. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. 
at a twenty-three for a twenty-three-year-old to mm-hmm. um, to manage, along with navigating through the emotional um, the emotional devastation and fallout that happens, because it's all of us are trying to navigate through that. Um, even to this day, you know, it never goes away, as you know, which I'm hearing that we have a similar story. So um, what happened was, <laughs> I uh, it, it affected me so badly physically that I was in and out of the emergency room for 30 days, and no one could figure out what was wrong with me. I mean, one day I couldn't breathe, one day I couldn't walk, one day my arm wouldn't move, one day my heart was beating so far out of my chest that the EKG was showing up, that there was something wrong, but yet no one could figure out and say what was wrong with me, right, other than attributing it to deep grief and stress. And yet I still had all these responsibilities to take care of because you cannot let the ship needs to keep sailing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let that fail. Right. Um, and I just looked in the mirror one day when I was able to stand one of those days and I said, you know, who, who is this person? I didn't even know who I was. I couldn't even, I couldn't even recognize the person in the mirror. Literally I could not recognize that person. Yeah. That uh, woman. And, um, I enrolled in a yoga class that day. It was a little bit later on in that day. I'll never forget that day. I grew up with being around meditation my entire life. I want to say that, okay? But I never, ever practiced it. I would see my father on the banks of the Potomac River meditating every time we would go for a walk or a jog. I grew up in Mount Vernon in Virginia. And I would look and think that that was crazy. I went into that yoga class, did the yoga. At the end of the yoga, guess what? There was a meditation. And that meditation just reconnected me. And I will tell you, I went every day for two weeks. And after two weeks, I never set foot in another emergency room after mm-hmm. that. And it, because and it connected me to myself. It's so similar that it's, it's, it's canny. You know, you know, my father died wow. of a heart attack. I was left with my mother, my brothers. The difference was um, I was the youngest and a whole business thrust upon me. And part of what you went through as well is your dad did the same thing to you, um, teaching you how to run a business from the point of washing dishes in your restaurant all the (laughs) way up, which is the same thing my father did. And I was left with my mother who at the time, very similar to you, having to take on all of this responsibility. I call it response-ability. And the pressures of that culminated in panic attacks and heart things and emergency room visits and biofeedback and ultimately the same thing as you, meditation and yoga. Um, So the basis of your book is this. You know, this was your wake-up call. You started with your yoga and meditation practice, which basically served your life. And you mentioned that all the persons who have a high ohm factor do some form of physical yoga or meditation. There are so many types of meditation out there. You know, I think for my listeners, many of them already meditate. But the question here is, and you provide tools and techniques in this on how to take a deeper dive. What do you recommend and why? Um, You obviously use mantras, you use beads, you've got all kinds of things in the books. But let's just talk about the type of meditation and why you think it's, you know, might be the best. So here's the thing with meditation. I, I, and I must say to, you know, 
and and it's great that most of your listeners already have such a such an ingrained practice, which is fantastic. But the thing is, for for people that do or people that don't, still everybody thinks about meditation as this daunting thing that oh, I don't have time for. Even people that have a practice of meditation say that you know I fit it in when I can. You know, I'll do it when I can, and, and, I, and I try to do it every day. I really do. What I'd like to say is I, I, I don't like to call it or title it as meditation or anything because at the end of the day, it is that connection with oneself, your highest self. Mm-hmm. And it does not have to be for this extended period of time. It is not about being thoughtless. And that is where I think... Um, the rubber meets the road because people think that in order to be meditating, you must not have thoughts. You're a human being. You're going to have thoughts that come, thoughts that go. Mm -hmm. What happens is that it's the space, as we all know, between thought A and thought B that increases as you practice meditation, per se meditation. What I do daily is that I... I, and I do this daily, I sit and I simply, and I, I happen to sit on the floor, you can obviously sit on a chair, but I sit and I, with my palms open and my eyes closed, I simply, very simply, observe my breath. And that's it. Mm-hmm. I do not manipulate it. I don't judge it. I don't do anything about that. The thoughts come, the thoughts go. My practice has grown over 19 years to be longer than the two minutes that I recommend for people that haven't done it before. Right, right. right. However, however, what I would encourage and what I have learned is that it does not matter how long you do it, it is how consistent you are with the practice because it's that feeling of stillness that we've all experienced, all the listeners have experienced this feeling once. That feeling of stillness that you are left with in every interaction that you and encounter that you have after that is greeted with that same place of stillness. And that is what manifests into your success, in my opinion. That is what has served me. Well, one of the things you that you talk about obviously you just spoke about was those periods of time between thoughts. I mean the whole concept of meditation is to actually remove as many of those thoughts that are coming in because they're bombarding us at the speed at which people move today all the time. Do you speak about the mantra during a meditation and you sent your book um, with these mala beads um, to keep count. Um, Do you believe that this is an important element? I mean, I thought that was a, a great little thing. It's right on the front of your book. There's 108 beads in there. Um, Speak with us a little bit about that, because I doubt if many people are sitting there with the beads, and I doubt if many of them um, are using mantras. So when you are doing a mantra or an affirmation, they are both one and the same, okay? They are filled with two things, a vibration and an intention. 108, the reason there are 108 beads is on a very spiritual number. That that could be an entire show. We could talk about why 108 beads. But that that is a very spiritual number. It is a number that is aligned with the vibration of the universe. Very, you can, uh, listeners can look that up. However, why I recommend and I use daily my beads, I use a 
a different mantra depending on what I'm trying to do. And I've put them in the book and the tools depending on what you're trying to manifest, what you are. And this book is more written for what you're feeling in the moment because everything comes down to our emotions and how do we respond to those emotions and not react to them, right? In the business world, or whether you're a stay-at-home mother, whether you're a, whether you're a, a man managing a restaurant, whether it doesn't matter who you are or what, what human experience you are doing in this lifetime, but we all have emotions. And those 108 beads, what I recommend is, and you close your eyes, and I've put the affirmations in the book uh, that you can use if you don't feel comfortable using the Sanskrit affirmations, which I have provided that are equally as sacred as the English affirmations that I've provided. They all have, they both have, If I and I give two for each tool, the same vibration, the same impact, the same result. Mm-hmm. Because it's all functioning on intention. So you are simply holding the beads in your hand and the diagrams in the book your thumb is touching the bead and your and it rests on the ring finger so that you can move through the beads and each time you touch a bead out either out loud or in your mind or you whisper it does not matter because it's based on intention you say the affirmation mm-hmm. when you get into this practice what happens is it gets into the flow into the connection into the vibration of the universe and that is what manifests the intention, because if you're not connected, if you're not connected, the intention will not manifest. And so I do this practice daily. Great tool. One mantra in particular, yes. And you give the, and you give the mantra as well. Um, you know, you obviously have a bent on this book for leadership, and I want to get to that. And, and you state in the book that when we live at a level and vibration of the ego mind, we can't possibly be connected to God, and I couldn't agree with you more. And that true leadership, you state, is not the act of leading, but it's rather cultivating the fertile ground within other beings. What are some of the ways that one can shift their perspective to become a better person first, and then a better leader? I think to become a better person first, it it does start with that foundation of meditation, self-introspection, and self-realization. So do that connection every day, even if it's for two minutes. That's the first step. That is the foundation. The second thing that you can do to bring it into practice is in why I've kind of turned the definition of traditional leadership on its head and that is how I lead within Technolink. It is not leading by example, right? It is exactly by aligning your vibration with that of the person that's in front of you, because the person that's in front of you is the most important person at that moment. Aligning your vibration with that person that's in front of you and creating that collective roadmap together. That sounds great. How do you do that, right? So when somebody is in Technolink in my firm, and they're sitting across from me. I don't care what it is that their particular job description is at the time that they're the receptionist, they're project manager, they're a programmer, they're, pro- uh, they're anything. It doesn't matter. They're sitting in front of me. I never, ever, ever start the conversation where I am telling them, okay, listen, this is what uh, we have in front of us. This is the challenge. This is the solution. Go execute. 
Mm-hmm. That is a very typical record-playing thing that you'll see in companies. It's it's very much dictatorial. It's There's no true collaboration. And if there's collaboration, it is simply just to say that there is. It's not true collaboration. What I do and what I would recommend to listeners in order to shift this, you asked how do you shift it immediately, is you sit down with the person and you look at them and you say, hey, what are your thoughts on this, right? What are your thoughts on this? And that person, if they're not used to being asked, they're going to look at you like you have three heads because Mm -hmm. they've never been asked before. Right, right. And you ask them, you know, from your vantage point, you know, what do you think? And at the same time, check your ego at the door, right? Do not have, do not do it for the sake of allowing them to speak and you already have a formulated answer. Allow them to speak so that the creativity can unleash between both of your energies. And I promise you, what is manifested for me I have had the most creative experiences for multi-million dollar deals come from conversations with a person that is not only 20 years younger than I am, has maybe two years of experience to my 19 to 20 years of experience, and those have closed, those ideas, and that exchange has closed the deal. Not well, it is, as as is said, you know, you're coming from a child's mind, from a child's perspective. And it, you open up to the opportunity of inclusion um, versus what you had just mentioned was actually developing a solution. You know, I think a lot of times in marriages, wives will say, I wasn't looking for the answer. All I wanted you to do was listen. And that that's the same spot you need to be as a CEO. You need to listen and you need to be engaged and you also need to open up that space between the two people. Now, you've developed all these tools for when you're feeling anxious, inadequate, indecisive, and there's quite a few of them. And in essence, if you could, distill the components of these tools down for our listeners, because there is one key component that's running through this. You know, whether you're a leader and you have, you're indecisive, or you f- you're feeling inadequate, or you're feeling anxious, the reality is is that there's a component running through all of that. There, there is, and there, there are uh, a couple of them. The biggest, the biggest thing that I found is that when we are not realizing that whatever is happening to us is happening for us, that shifts us completely because then we we start the blame game we start the oh this is because of this oh if only that didn't happen this wouldn't be happening why is this happening to me why am i here you must stop that dialogue that inner dialogue needs to stop you need to go within connect within through that foundation of meditation and understand that fact first of all Second of all, the other thing is the majority of all of these traits and these feelings and these emotions, first of all, I've experienced all of them, and that's why I came up with these. Um, They all happen because, uh, because of the fact that we have this thing called expectation. And when you expect something of yourself 
or of someone else that actually produces a toxic response within the body. And you will see that with any of these feelings of indecisiveness, insecurity, uh, anger, resentment, it's all, you know, around that. And that's why I've given very specific mantras and specific affirmations to tune in to those specific uh, emotions because that's what's required. Yeah, and it, we all run the gamut of those emotions. Those emotions control frequently our actions. Those actions then turn into beliefs. Um, they turn into patterns. And we end up, um, as they say, you know, it sometimes seems like Groundhog's Day. One of the things meditation can do for this is it can actually break that pattern. It can move you to a higher level where you're hearing um, the voice from a true source versus the ego self. You also t um, provide traits to cultivate, such as being present or being open to serendipity. You've got quite a few. What I'd like to speak about are these two traits. What are the best ways to cultivate a mindset of presence in your estimation and this openness to serendipity? Right, so to bring yourself into the present moment, uh, there, there are many, many, many techniques. The first thing that you can do when, and then I'll also give you another technique as well so that listeners can take something away. But the first thing that you can do when you only have a second and it's just one second, and then I'll give you something when you have five seconds. So when you have one second, just simply close your eyes and take an inhale and exhale. The moment we even for one inhalation and exhalation, connect with our breath. You can even do it now. You close your eyes and you just, you're mindful of that one inhale and exhale. You're brought into that present moment right then and there. Secondly, there's a specific um, meditation uh, and maybe you know, a lot of your listeners may have heard about this or not, but I use this a lot. I use it to bring myself into the present moment. I also use it when I want to create focus and clarity for myself. It's called the Sat Nam Meditation, S-A-T-N-A-M Meditation. And what you are doing, you can do this where, let's say you're even, you're even on the phone with someone because a lot of times we know we can be on the phone and that can be very um, stress-provoking. Um, or if you're in a meeting and, you know, you're, you, even, you can use both your hands or have one hand. It can even be under the desk if you're in a meeting, and I've done this before. You take your thumb finger and touch it to your ring finger and say the sound either out loud or in your mind, sa. Take your thumb finger to your middle finger and say the sound, sa. Take your thumb finger to your ring finger and say the sound, na. And then take your thumb finger to your pinky and say the sound, ma. So it's sa, sa, na, ma. You are touching the tips of your fingers, I'm doing it now as we're talking, and then you're activating the neurotransmitters to send signal to your brain to bring you not only into the present moment, but to bring you into a much more focused and clear state because you, the only way to manifest what it is that you desire, whatever you desire, it must be in that present moment. So you can do this with both hands. You can do it with one hand. It does not matter how many repetitions you do but just do it and you will immediately start to see 
your uh, parasympathetic nervous system calming down and you're going to see yourself being brought into that moment. So I would encourage everyone to try this. Are you there? I'm here. Sorry. <laughs> I had it on mute, so I'll cut that part out. So in wrapping up our interview, Olka, um, there is this section you have on authenticity, and it's really an important area. This is not only seeing authenticity in others, but us being our authentic selves, which is such an important trait. How would you help one find their authentic self, as well as learning to see the authenticity in others? Well, you know, um, with authenticity, and I've also, you know, and, 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 and you're so right, and I, there's a reason why I culminated the book and why it is the, uh, actually the um, exact seventh trait in the book is connecting with others authentically. And in order to do that, as you said, you must be authentic. At the end of the day, when you, it is not about defining yourself by a title, right? That, oh, I'm a mother of three children. I'm the CEO of Technolink. I'm a, you know, whatever it is that you, you would define yourself in a meeting. It is truly being present in that moment without an agenda when you meet someone, right? Where you're deeply listening and not having an expectation of an outcome that, oh, I need to talk with this person because if I talk with this person here, that's what's going to get me the meeting that's going to get me to close the deal that I need to do. And that's what a lot of times we do. We always have these agendas. You need to understand that authenticity is going and really truly your soul's mirror, right? Not that of yourself, but that of your soul where you look into that. And that is where you need to meet people. At and a I've soul level. Provided, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I've provided, um, you know, an exercise in there to help you do that. But yes. Well, all I can say is that, number one, you've written a great book here, The Ohm Factor, A Woman's Spiritual Guide to Leadership. And again, I tell all my listeners out there are men, um, don't be afraid by that title because this book is as much for men as it is for women. Um, Alka, the book provides these tools and techniques um, which actually guide one to being uh, more connected at a deeper level spiritually with the one. And you've done an amazing job of doing that. I highly recommend this book uh, to my listeners. And I appreciate you taking a few minutes of your time uh, to explain some of the traits and tools that you've used to transform your own life, plus what you're doing to transform the lives of everybody that you meet. It's truly a blessing to meet you telephonically like this. I hope we get to meet someday soon. And thanks for being on our show. 
Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for all the work that you do. I mean, just even being with you here telephonically, as you mentioned, I can sense your energy, and it seems like you have just brought so much, uh, not only joy, but I can sense a tremendous amount of uh, comfort to a lot of people, and for that, I'm very grateful to be in your presence as well. Namaste.